0: In season two of The Sneak, a podcast from For the Wind in USA Today, we will tell the story of surfing champion Jack Roland Murphy, who in 1964 pulled a heist that made him the most famous jewel thief in the country. But that was just the beginning of his story, one that quickly spun out of control and then turned deadly. The Sneak, Murders at Whiskey Creek, is available now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or experience the entire series right now, ad-free, exclusively on Wondery+. Plus. Download the Wondery app and hear all of season two today.
1: The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports. Featuring for the wins, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman. The Counter, diving deeper into the NFL with advanced stats, film study, and expert guests. This is The Counter. Now, Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Counter. Chris Corman here, joined by Stephen Ruiz. As usual, we are the NFL team for For the Win. Stephen, what's up, man?
0: I'm emotionally recovering from writing the longest power rankings article that's probably ever been written on Earth.
2: <laughs> I think you underestimate uh, the propensity for uh, writing long from NFL yeah. writers. You. Uh, I'm not I'm not I don't mean to downplay your skills you you can uh you can <laughs> a, a pretty long list call my friend but uh you're not alone in that regard but these power rankings are fantastic I like I them. appreciate it um they they uh dropped on our site this morning I hope you guys find them NFL power rankings everything we've learned over the first two months of the season I'm not sure you actually fit everything you learned in there but there's a lot of stuff
0: uh, Everything I've learned, I should have just said I. But you gotta go. You gotta be inclusive in the headline. That
2: way, the bar will be low. We'll be like, well, it's all Steven learned. So, <laughs> so. Uh, But we're gonna we're gonna run through uh, some of those rankings. We won't we won't do the whole the whole shebang. That would be that would take make for a very long podcast but we'll go through those we're gonna get to some interesting week eight games uh the the primetime games this week are all trash This terrible but uh s- the Steelers and ravens are playing which is always a big rivalry i don't know i'm i'm probably washed washed over with the the hype for this game since i'm located near baltimore and just the the constant narrative like it's the it's the toughest matchup there's <laughs> there's more physicality in this game than any other game like i don't know like but football is pretty brutal, no matter. Like, there's no one who plays, like, non-brutal football. Like, <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> like I don't watch a game and be like, these guys are pretty nice. Uh, but it is a fun rivalry. Uh, so, we'll get into that uh, fantasy segment with Charles Curtis, as per usual. We're going to go through some news. What's buzzing around the league? Uh, so, should be uh, an exciting show. And what is buzzing, as per always, in, in 2020 in the times we live in now is uh, the pandemic <laughs> coronavirus uh, that's still going on. <laughs> yeah, it's it's oh. still happening despite what you may have heard from various presidents of the United States. Uh, so I
0: probably you know. shouldn't be recording from a packed bar right now.
2: <laughs> it's a quiet packed bar. If you uh, <laughs> if, uh, if you are, you should be recording from a from a quiet bar. That's okay. There's no one else there. Then. I'm actually in in a closet. It's like <laughs> a four by pod- four, five by five closet. You know, the podcast closet. I, I wish I, I wish we could go back to when you looked at the apartment and the person was like, look at this walk-in closet for all your clothes. And you were like, "Like, uh, look at this podcast space. I'll, I'll be in here dropping my takes.
0: I have more podcasts cast equipment in here, then I'd have clothes. Uh,
2: I'm not even exaggerating. That's <laughs> I, I don't think you are. Uh, well, nobody, You don't need clothes anywhere. Nobody's allowed to go anywhere. Um, but yeah, the, so the Giants uh, have an offensive lineman who has tested positive. The Chargers now uh, say that they have a positive case. Will Hernandez for the Giants has tested positive. So he is... On the reserve COVID nineteen list, uh, and apparently there are a couple of people, eight players and two coaches, who are now home quarantining. But they have not been deemed high risk, so they may come back in the next couple of days. So as of right now, it does not look like there will be a disruption. The Giants don't play until Monday. They play the Bucks. That is one of the aforementioned horrible primetime games I mentioned. Um, and then the Chargers. This is just coming out The the Chargers say they have a player who tested positive. I'm still waiting for more news on that. Um, and then the Texans, who are on a buy this week, closed their facility yesterday. So it's I mean it's rising everywhere. I think I think every state now has a pretty significant uptick in cases, and the NFL is not able to avoid that. One, one interesting thing I saw was that Emmanuel Sanders who tested positive last week and will be out again this week for the saints. Uh, He gave a quote saying that he uh, basically that he is worried about it. He goes to sleep at night and he just hopes that he will wake up without taking a downturn, which um, I I thought was a a sort of a very forthright uh, admittance from him. Just that he, I mean, there's, I think there's sort of this, undercurrent of, uh, well, these guys are elite athletes, they're young, the virus is not at nearly as dangerous to younger people uh, without pre-con- you know, pre-existing conditions that that would make them more susceptible to it. But Sanders saying this, I mean, that's a pretty bold and important step, I think, just hearing him sort of be honest about it in that way.
0: Yeah, and I feel like we, anyone who hasn't had – the virus or hasn't known anybody that's had it. Like I haven't had anyone close to me get it yet. And it's kind of easy just to like separate yourself from it and not take it seriously. And even with these football players, which I mean, we know of them, we don't know them, but we, we know them. uh, Even when they get it, we don't really hear much about what happens to them. They, they get it and then they come back and they don't have it anymore. And that's really all we hear. So it, I think it is important to hear that these guys are struggling with it. And like when it touches your life and when it's you that has it, it's very serious. And that's, I think what we got from Emmanuel Sanders this week. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh,
2: an interesting viewpoint. So yeah, the NFL continues to sort of skirt through this, make its way through uh, the the pandemic and, you know, I, (laughs) The, the games are going on, which certainly we're happy about but uh i, I it's it's just hard to ignore the everyday charts and seeing those uh-huh. you know it's funny you like we I, I feel like I constantly look at Twitter at charts showing football right that's like the new way like ben baldwin puts out these fantastic charts and other people bff like and i'm so i'm constantly looking at like charts of how offenses and defenses are moving and how often teams are throwing the ball on first down like so i'm constantly looking at those charts and then at some point during the day like the coronavirus chart somehow gets in front of my you know like you see it on twitter or it comes as an alert on my phone or something and i'm like oh right uh, that chart uh, so it's, right. it's uh, that also is is changing and rising. Uh, so
0: that's not actually a Patrick Mahomes passing yard chart. It's <laughs> it's, it's COVID infections. <laughs> oh dang! If only it was. Uh, so
2: we'll continue to monitor how that goes. Uh, you know, as we've mentioned the last couple podcasts, it changes rather quickly. Uh, so we'll. Keep an eye on that Uh, Not much else going on The the trade deadline is Tuesday I think there's something else going on Tuesday Which might uh, (laughs) swallow up some of the steam Also the trade deadline uh, since teams need to, there there does need to be a quarantine period. I think after trades, so a lot of the trades may get done before Tuesday. Not that not that uh, the NFL trade deadline is like other sports deadline days where there's a, an avalanche of deals, but uh, it may be that this year that some of them happen. Carlos Dunlap has already been moved to the Seahawks, giving them some some help on the pass rush. Uh, so there have been some deals made and probably be a couple more as we go, but I I don't, I mean, do you expect a lot of, do you expect much
0: activity? I mean, I think there might be more activity just because of the cap situation next year. It's kind of Mm -hmm. uncertain and teams might be trying to shed cap before the off season, but I don't think we're going to see any moves that move the needle too much. I mean, the only one I could think of in recent years was the Marcus Peters trade last year. Right. And beyond that, I can't think of an impactful trade. Maybe going back to Marshawn Lynch getting traded to Seattle. And Seattle wasn't a very good team. I know they ended up winning a playoff game, but they they still went 7-9. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to matter much.
2: What do you make of the Estefan Gilmore rumors out of New England? It appears like maybe that could come to a head. I mean, it, it seems that the Patriots were actually shopping him previously. And he has not been... Uh, certainly not been his usual self so far this season, not that any of the Patriots have, but
0: uh, do you see that as a possibility? Uh, I don't think they're going to make that trade mid season. I, I would not be surprised if it happens during the off season, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really make sense for the Patriots. It's not like they're trying to offload cap. They have plenty of cap space next, next off season. They have, I think they might have the most cap space or it's either second or third. So, any talk about them having a fire sale or tanking, I don't even know what a Patriots tank looks like, but I I, I just think that talk is naive. I, they're already set up well. They don't need to even have a fire sale or anything, even if they decided that this year they weren't going to have a chance at the playoffs. But I think with their schedule in the second half, it's pretty easy. You have to expect the offense to play a little bit better. The defense is still good. I think they still have a chance at, at making a run at the playoffs, so I don't even I don't even think it would be smart for them to sell off players right now.
2: Yeah. Uh, so you're telling me Bill Belichick has a plan. I'm totally shocked. By that. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's funny because whenever we talk about, you know, we've been talking about the Jets, the Falcons, a couple other teams that like are going, that are have a, a huge rebuild imminent or are going to need one in the next few years. And I mean, essentially, like that's sort of how the league has built it, right? Like this is just how uh, given the, the, the way the cap works and the draft and having young players on, on such cheap deals. like This is sort of how it has to happen and, and the importance of the quarterback position. That all combines to make it that that's really the only way that this works unless you are Bill Belichick and
0: you <laughs>
2: figured everything out and you always have a plan.
0: Um, I also think we overrate the value of tanking. Like we say on one hand, the draft is volatile and we're like, no one is good at the draft. So I don't think there's a much of a difference between having the fifth pick and having the 10th pick, unless you're a team that's looking for a quarterback and in position to get like one of those guys. Like if I'm the Jaguars, I very much care about the difference between the first pick and the fifth pick. Cause I can get Trevor Lawrence. But if you're, if you have no shot at those players and the Patriots probably have no shot at getting one of those top two picks, then I don't under I don't really think there's much value in tanking and maybe getting the the tenth pick instead of the twentieth pick, right? Yeah, the uh,
2: and I, I mean even at the top of the draft, like I we, we both agree that Trevor Lawrence is a really really special prospect, uh, but on most years, like it's Jared Goff and Carson <laughs> right. or Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, or you know, and for every. Andrew Luck, there's an RG three for every Peyton Manning. There's a Ryan Lee, you know, like it's, it's still hard. <laughs> like it's right. actually, I mean, we're seeing it. And uh, fields, fields might end up better, being better
0: than Lawrence. I don't think that's absolutely. off the table.
2: Right. Like you, you know, you wrote this week, uh, dug in a little bit more on this idea that Justin Herbert is his ceiling is higher. There's a better chance that he becomes a, a, Better sort of ten to five tier QB than Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow absolutely has a higher ceiling. Joe Burrow's already in some way a higher like, floor, not a higher, not ceiling. higher floor, higher floor. Like he's already in some ways one of the smarter QBs in the league. Like as far as just like figuring out where to go with the ball, and right. but he can't put it. <laughs> you know, he he can't get it to as many places, which so. And, and it's he's unlikely to pick up that skill, whereas Justin Herbert is going to get a little bit better at that, presumably. Uh, and that's, you know, it's drafted. Like the draft is really hard. Uh, you know, I think people, especially in when it rolls around and there's just so much hype around it and all the excitement, every player that your team picks is going to make an immediate impact. Like it gets so Overwrought, how people think about it, but the truth is that it's impo- Like no one is good at it. Bill Belichick is good at everything, but he's not good at drafting because there's no such thing as being good at drafting. He's <laughs>
0: very bad at drafting in the first round.
2: Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, so yeah, tanking is the, the value. And the way to do the draft is to get a lot of draft picks. That is the and and Bill Belichick does that, <laughs> right? He he manipulates the formula so that he gets com- compensatory picks. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the only way to win this lottery is to get more and get more tickets.
0: I think that like there's a confusion of what tanking means. Like some people see tanking as lo- just trying to lose, but I don't think that's what tanking is. I think it's trying to accumulate accumulate these assets. These draft picks, cap space. And the best way to do that usually is to offload some of your better players, flip a good player for some draft picks, cut a player that maybe still has some value left, but is on the wrong side of 30 and not going to be, it still won't be good when, your timeline to be good happens so you cut them and like that's what the dolphins did i don't think they were necessarily trying to lose and like people last year were saying this team is deliberately tanking look at them blitz on on whatever down that was on a monday night game but i don't think that's what tanking is it's the the other things the dolphins did it's getting rid of players that aren't going to be useful in the future and and Maximizing your cap space and your draft capital, so you can have a better chance at winning the draft, because we know that's the key to winning the Super Bowl.
2: Right. Exactly. Uh, ma'am, that was that was a little bit of a tangent that I didn't plan, but we could probably rail on that topic for a while. Uh, let's let's jump into your power rankings. Let's let's take a look. This is, as Stephen mentioned, these power rankings are quite robust. Um, they it's all 32 teams listed here. We, we give you the record, point differential, offensive DBOA, defensive DBOA, and the 538 playoff odds. So we've sort of gathered some of the metrics and measurements that, that we trust the most in the one spot to build these for you. Uh, and uh, we're just going to focus on the top 10. Um, and I'm trying to think of a joke for the NFC East, but I, I can't because they're all – I actually think the Eagles are a little high at 22. Um, and <laughs> they are the highest NFC East team. Wow. You think they're too ranked too high? Who would you put them below? Uh, I, don't, I, uh, I I don't know. I think I would just have the Jets in the NFC East all time thirty second. That's, that's a, the
0: Jets should be an NFC East team. They should be an honorary <laughs> member of the twenty twenty <laughs> NFC East. And if they were in the NFC East, they'd only be two games out. <laughs> they'd know, have a they shot. They wouldn't,
2: and they would have no chance to truly tank because they would just accidentally beat either the Redskins. Giants. Eagles, oh, you said Cowboys. it. You said it. Oh, god, god damn. Football team. I'll never I'll never stop calling him that. Yeah, <laughs> I need like to come that. up with a new name. Uh, all right. Number 10. You got Buffalo Bills here. Five and two uh, point differential minus four. Offensive DVOA, 12th. Defensive DVOA, 21st. Uh, this team is just totally different than we thought. We sort of thought that uh, Josh Allen would take maybe an incremental step. And, uh, you know, that would be it. And then the defense would, uh, you know, keep te- keep this team in games. And, and as long as Allen turned the ball over less than he did last year, it would still be a pretty good formula. But the defense has not been there. It has really regressed. Uh, I'm not sure Allen has gotten much better, but at giving him – a, a true wide receiver in digs has made a huge difference. Uh, but what, what do you
0: see moving forward for this team? Yeah. The one concern is, are they the team that we've seen the last three games when they went one and two and, and it wasn't a close game, but it was an uncomfortable game against the jets, the worst team in the league compared to the first three weeks when they were beating up on bad teams, and they but they looked really good and good teams tend to beat up on bad teams. And I think it's somewhere in the middle. And that's what this team looks like. It looks like a fringe top 10 team. I have them just inside the top 10. But, I mean, if they played the Colts, I would think about taking the Colts in that game. And I just... The defense is is really tough to figure out because they have such a smart coach. They have, they have names on the depth chart. It's just they don't really have a lot of defensive... Uh, line depth and that has been the problem. And it was kind of an issue going into the season. People question whether they'd be able to replicate what they did last year after losing Lorenzo Alexander, who was really a key player for them. And I don't think I think he was underrated in that loss. He retired this offseason. That loss was underrated because he was a stand-up linebacker on early downs and then a pass rusher on third downs. So he's basically two players in one. And the Bills were unable to replace either guy, either role this offseason. They tried to do it with multiple guys and it just hasn't worked out. And I think that's where the problems are coming from. And they've had one of the better secondaries in the league the last few years, but we know secondary play is volatile. And we're seeing that this year, like you can have the guys and they could still give up some big plays. And that's what's happening in Buffalo. And I don't know if it's going to turn around. Maybe the offense comes back to the pack a little bit and the defense does. And this team kind of hovers around the same spot. But I think at this point we could say they're probably not a legit Super Bowl contender, which is something people were calling them after week three. Right. And I mean, it looks like uh, they play the paths this weekend.
2: I, I mean, it looks like they should have a fairly easy path. Right.
0: In the AFC East. So um, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going right. to be, they're going to represent the AFC East in the playoffs, probably barring the Patriots sweeping them in their two games, which I I really don't see happening. The Patriots are just so flawed, right? But Hard it's going to be—you're not going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think you're going to win the Super Bowl without getting a buy with this new playoff format, and it's looking like they're not going to get a buy. So I—I I, I would not be surprised if they're one and done again. And then next year, I think is really their shot. Get the defense reloaded. Maybe Josh Allen takes another step, and then I think we could put them in that conversation. But right now, for this season, I think they're officially out of it. Wow.
2: Just, just destroying
0: the hearts of people in Buffalo. They have a minus uh, a minus point differential. I can't take them seriously as the Super Bowl yeah. contenders. Uh,
2: yeah, uh, something tells me that the people in Buffalo already dislike you and probably won't be <laughs> they're surprised. Not, they're not to listening you. to this anymore. <laughs> to be honest. Number nine, Tennessee Titans. Uh, the Titans are five and one after losing to the Steelers close game last week. Uh, point differential plus thirty five. Offensive DVOA third. Defensive seventeenth. Um, yeah, I think this is pretty much what we expected. The defense taking a little bit of a step back without the creativity of Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, uh, still leaning on Derek Henry, probably to, uh, to an extent that you have to wonder about, given that he's a giant 250 pound running back who's now carried the football a lot of times in the last, whatever, 18 months, um, And Ryan Tannehill still being Ryan Tannehill. Uh, he, he looks, he, he fires people up who like him into thinking that he's an MVP candidate. Uh, but then you dig, you you don't have to dig very far under the surface, but as as soon as you look at the underlying, how how he's actually making his completions, it's, it's, I mean, it's mostly a lot of play action, uh, but it's his coach is making it easier on him. So, uh, what do you see for this team i mean is there any chance that they can mount another deep run this year
0: no <laughs> no i don't think so because they don't have that just
2: move on all right on to number 8 <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah i'm fine with that actually yeah like you covered it the offense is so contingent on this this scheme this play action heavy scheme which that's kind of a simplistic way to put it but they do use a lot of play action and i think against the better teams Scheme matters less when the talent difference is greater. And that's when we see the offense kind of struggle a bit. We kind of saw it struggle against the Steelers. They really had to grind out the drives they did score on. And I I expect to see that against the better teams in the league. I really don't expect them to challenge the Chiefs, the Steelers, or the Ravens.
2: All right. Number eight, Los Angeles Rams, five and two, plus 52 point differential. Offensive DVOA, fifth defensive 11th Uh, all of these teams have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs by the way but the uh, that's why I didn't mention the odds for the other two teams but the Rams are at 68% because they're in the league's tightest division Uh, but what do you see coming for this team
0: It it all depends on Jared Goff. Like Everything I just said about the Titans (laughs) offense applies to the Rams offense. They have a very good run game. They have a very smart coach. They use a lot of play action. But if Jared Goff has to pass in obvious passing situations, he doesn't play as well. And against the better teams, they're going to be in those obvious passing situ- situations more. And you're going to see Jared Goff struggle a little bit. That's why we've seen him struggle in the playoffs because they're playing better defenses. The windows are tighter. You're, you're not going to be in third and four all the time. You're not going to be in second and four all the time. You're going to be second and long, third and long. Defenses are going to be throwing complex looks at you that where your coach can't help you before the snap. Yeah, that it's just Jared Goff to me. If in, Until he takes this next step, which probably won't come into elite quarterbackdom. Then I think the Rams, with their limited cap resources and and their top heavy roster, I think they're always going to be this team that's on the precipice of of being a top tier team, but just not quite getting there. Can we uh, can we take a
2: second to gush about defense coordinator Brandon Staley, who we've we've talked a lot about a young, a young coach that song when sort of elevated and handed over the defense and he's done really well. Friend of the podcast, uh, Seth Galina, easily our favorite Canadian uh, wrote a, wrote a wonderful piece this week about how, Progress it like how this defense. I mean, if Brandon Staley were an offensive coordinator, everyone would be all over him, right? They would just be right. like, This guy's a head coach next year. Like, uh, but he is really doing some interesting stuff. Um, and if I don't know, we should have Seth on again sometime. I miss Seth. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll have him on to talk about Brandon Staley, but he's because he's done he's doing some really interesting things. You should check out that article. Over at PFF, uh, number seven, Seattle Seahawks, five and one, plus thirty-one point differential, uh, offensive DBOA, second, defensive DBOA, twenty-eighth, and and what's most concerning about that is that against the pass, it is thirtieth. Yes, that's not uh, good. So yeah, this is uh, this is a team that just lost to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so I think we're a little bit more worried about them.
0: Yeah, I'll keep this one short because we're going to talk about the Seahawks it, when we preview the games. Basically, Russ is good. The defense is bad. And, <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> Let's move
2: on. D <laughs> bad. Number six, New Orleans Saints. Uh, four and two plus six point differential. Offensive DBA, 10th. Defensive DBA, 10th. Yeah, I like the, you know, well rounded. You like the symmetry, that. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we 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 discounted this team pretty early in the
0: season. I'm yeah. still discounting them. I'm not backing down. You put them you put them six. There are not a lot of good teams. There are not a lot of good teams. There's only five teams. The next five teams we talk about are the only ones that I think are capable of winning the Super Bowl right now. You're, you still have them out. You still have them on the outside. Yeah, Drew Brees has been better. He's he's looked better, even though his arm is still. Does not look good, and I'm wondering how that arm is going to look in December. And I'm really wondering how it's going to look if they have to play outside in January. I don't think it's going to be good. They like I wrote in the the power rankings. They have no margin for error. They they basically need to win out and get in order to get that number one seed and to have home field advantage. Luckily for them, though, I will say this: if they can avoid the Packers in the playoffs, the rest of the NFC playoff. Hopefuls don't really play in cold weather, so right, right. Like you might go to Seattle, the Bucks. Uh, Arizona plays in a dome, and they play in Arizona. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so just avoid the Packers, and maybe Breeze's arm will hold up. But the big issue is really the secondary. It was supposed to be a strength of this team, and it hasn't been very good. They've been busting coverages. And the pass rush hasn't lived up to the hype. Cameron Jordan's kind of been a cut below what he usually is. Marcus Davenport hasn't really t- made that leap yet that people were expecting. So there's concern all around. Uh, Number five,
2: Pittsburgh Steelers, six and O, oh, plus sixty five point differential. Offensive DVOA seventeenth. Defensive DVOA second. uh, uh, you, uh this is probably your most controversial pick i'd say uh, it's having them fifth um although i guess maybe the team that you have further up the lineup w- would be a surprise too but uh yeah i i think that i know why this team is fifth and the an undefeated team with a plus 65 point differential i think anyone who probably listens to our show with any regularity knows why this team is where it is but i'm just gonna I'm going to put it to you and you can, you can lay it out for us. Why is this team here? Ben washed uh, is, uh,
0: is that good? Or did, is that a reach? I don't know. a reach maybe he might block you on Twitter again. <laughs> I'm ho- yeah. He just unblocked me, but same. Yeah. They, uh, their offense isn't very impressive. I know they put up points, but they are really relying on third down conversions. I'm looking at a chart from PFF move from, uh, PFF, obviously from PFF, but they're converting a series of downs. So like first down, second down, third down into first downs on. Okay. Now I'm getting, it's really getting messy here, but 44% of their first downs come on those first two downs of a series, which that's like the most stable uh, set of downs that we have. And that ranks like near the giants level. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're not really moving the ball a lot. they're they're really relying on third third down, and we know that that's volatile. So I don't know if the offense is already not so great. It's ranked 18th in DVOA. It might be even worse in the second half, especially when the Steelers start going up against good defenses. And I was gonna save this stat for the Ravens preview, the preview of the Ravens game, but these are the past defenses the Steelers have played so far. They played the Giants twenty seventh ranked past DVOA. Denver's ninth. That was the one good team they played. Houston, 24th. Philadelphia, 22nd. Cleveland, 25th. Tennessee, 19th. So he's had Ben Roethlisberger has had a very easy slate of games so far. His stats are not very good. I think he's ranked below Daniel Jones in PFF grade. His efficiency met- metrics are right in line with Cam Newton, and we're we're all asking what's wrong with Cam Newton. Well, what's wrong with Ben Roethlisberger? I don't think people are talking about this enough. People are just expect this defense to carry them to, to the Super Bowl, but it's going to have to really carry this offense, cause especially if it, it keeps going like this and Roethlisberger doesn't start pushing the ball down the field.
2: I think my uh, my daughter, who's a Baltimore native, just came down. I think she must have some thoughts on the uh, Steelers Ravens game, but uh, she's probably yeah, excited about my rankings. Yeah, no, she she totally agrees with where you have uh, Wash. I can't even I can't even try to say Wash. Yeah, it
0: looks was tough. It was
2: wash tough. burger too tough. Uh, number four, you got the Green Bay Packers, five and one, plus thirty eight. Uh, point differential offensive DVOA fourth defensive 22nd um, yeah what do you what are you thinking
0: about this one Aaron Rodgers is playing like an MVP and I think when he gets hot he can keep his team in any game against any opponent uh, I'm not so confident with the defense Mike Petton has not done a good job this year the the secondary behind Jair Alexander hasn't been very good and that was the main concern and even the pass rush has taken a step back after such a great year last year so it, uh, all my optimism is based on Aaron Rodgers continuing to play like this uh, yeah I think
2: that makes sense Tampa Bay Buccaneers third um, you got record five and two uh, plus 80 point differential defensive DBO sixth Offensive six, defensive first. Uh, I, I, it worked, right? I mean, signing Tom Brady, uh, it, that was the big move in the offseason, and it worked. Tampa Bay now is clearly in a a, a prime position to make a Super Bowl run.
0: Yeah, I I think you have to say that based on what we've seen in the first half. But I really think we're going to figure out who this team is over the next month because they have a lot of tough games. And I I really think our perception of what this team looks like after that could change because they're playing some teams that could take advantage of what I perceive to be liabilities on the defense. I think you really have to attack this team on early downs. you got to play – with multiple tight ends and running backs on the field and kind of do a play action and attack downfield. And we've seen some teams have success against that, against them on early downs. And I really think a team like the 49ers or the Rams are capable of exploiting that weakness. So I want to see what happens over this next month. If they get out of this next month with a, a good record and they're still atop the NFC then I'm ready to say, yes, they are the overwhelming favorites to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Wow. Interesting. So, uh, just just to reiter- reiterate what what things are you looking to see to to for proof that they're ready? I want them to be able to stop an offense that can attack them on early downs through the air, like a Kyle Shanahan offense, which is he's going to put out a fullback, he's going to put out multiple tight ends, and the bear, the Bucks are going to play base defense early, which they they tend to do, Mm -hmm. and I really think that's how you have to attack the Bucs, and teams haven't been doing that so far. They've been just trying to run the ball on early downs, which I don't get at all. There's no running on this team. And then, when you get in third and long against the Todd Bowles defense, especially against a defense this, this fast and this aggressive, then you're in trouble. I think the smart teams will know to attack them on early downs. I think coaches like Sean McVay and Shanahan could very well lay out a blueprint for attacking this Defense that other teams might copy it might it might give them issues in the second half of the season. If that's not the case, then like I said, they're the favorites in the NFC.
2: Number two, Baltimore Ravens. This is the flip side of your controversial pick, having the Steelers at five. Uh, still a lot of belief in the Ravens out of you. Five and one, plus seventy five point differential. Offensive DVOA all the way down at nineteenth. Uh, defensive DVOA third. Uh, You did a deep dive on the offensive struggles and came away thinking that uh, they were – Probably fixable, or just that they would go back to uh, it. Came down to uh, last year, Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback in empty formations. This year, he's the worst. Uh, So, that will probably, even if it comes, even if he gets to 15th or something, that will be enough to make up some of that difference. Uh, But, what do you see out of this team? Why, in your mind, heading into a game where the Steelers and Ravens are playing, are the Steelers or the Ravens a better team.
0: I'd put them ahead of the Steelers because I believe in their offense more. I think the results have been the same, but we're, for some reason we're asking what's wrong with the Ravens' offense, but we're not doing that with the Steelers' offense. And I, the Ravens have a quarterback who is young. The Steelers have a quarterback who is old. The, the Ravens have a proven offensive staff. The Steelers are in their first year with Matt Canada kind of influencing things. So I don't know what to expect adjustment wise from, from them, but we've seen this Ravens coaching staff make adjustments on the fly before. So that's really why I'm optimistic that it's going to happen this year. And then the defense has just been really good and it's been good for two years. Now you could say the same thing about the Steelers, but I think the Ravens have, they have a second pitch that the Steelers might not have. I don't think the Steelers' secondary is quite as good as the Ravens or quite as deep as the Ravens, right. and I think they can hold up in coverage if they don't have to blitz. And getting Yannick and Kockway also helps them in that regard. Right. Yeah. It should be really
2: interesting to see how he is deployed this weekend, and uh, you know whether he can get to Ben Roethlisberger. Or... Number one, Kansas City Chiefs, six and one, plus seventy-five. Point differential, offensive, 11th, first, defensive, 13th. Um, basically, the only the only real weakness for this team is that they've had trouble stopping the run. Uh, but uh, otherwise, and then on offense, when when a team can really get to Mahomes without sending extra blitzers, then that's been been a problem. But there are. Only in the league that really can do that. Uh, what do you see for the Chiefs defending Super?
0: Bowl? Yeah, they have Patrick Mahomes, and as long as they have him, I'm I'm on their bandwagon. They're kind of <laughs> they're the new Patriots for me, where they're the best team in the league until someone proves that they aren't, and no one's done that this year. And their run game is back to where it was in 2018, which is really scary for defenses because they didn't really have much of a run game last year and still won the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. this year they might be even harder to defend. And the pass defense is back to where it was at the end of last year. So I mean, that's all you need. A good pass defense and the best quarterback in the league. And you you are probably the Super Bowl favorites. Pretty good formula. Pretty good formula. All right, we're gonna jump over to our pal
2: Charles Curtis for a little fantasy football segment. And then we'll come back to preview the games for week eight.
1: The counter.
2: Charles, what's going on, man? How are
1: things in New York? Rainy. It's been a foggy, rainy week like we're in San Francisco or something, but we're, we're getting foggy,
2: it. rainy. It's like the earth feels the pain we're going through. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's, uh, believe me, I've had that thought at least three or four times this week, but I try to not to think about it.
2: Yeah. The earth is reflecting the quality of the NFC East. That's what's happening <laughs> there. It's, yeah, that's, that's what's going on there. Uh, Charles is here as per every week to give us his fantasy stud dud and sleeper. He does this full form over at for the win. Hope you check it out there. He's also got all sorts of good fantasy coverage there. Henry McKenna jumps in with some stuff too, waiver wire pickups and whatnot. So be sure to check our site before you make any fantasy moves each week. Uh, But Charles is going to shout out one player in each of those categories. Steven grades it using a coach's name. It's a lot of fun.
1: And let's just get into it. Stud for the week. So remember when Le'Veon Bell was a terrible thing? Well, now he's a Kansas City Chief. And I am, you know, sometimes in fantasy you just... It's not even the numbers or the the, you know, the metrics or the the matchup. It's just sometimes it's as simple as Le'Veon Bell is going to play his former team this week. And I'm sure he's mad at Adam Gase. And I think he's going to have a huge game just partially also because of the game script. So uh, Le'Veon Bell is a stud for me this week. So is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think they end up making a 50-50 split. But I would think that... Andy Reid knows what's going on here, obviously, and is going to say to Le'Veon Bell, like, here, like, here's the ball at the goal line, like, uh, go, go nuts. So I think if you're starting both players, I think even though it's going to be more of a fifty-fifty split starting this week, I think they're both studs this week. But yeah, if we want to focus on Bell, let's let's do that.
0: Uh, I'll give this one. A, I'll give it to Andy Reid. Yeah, I, I like your logic there. The Chiefs are probably going to blow this one out early. They're probably going to be running out the bo- out the clock in the second half. And I would assume that Le'Veon Bell is the one that gets those carries. And I also think it would be like a good way for Andy Reid to kind of endear himself to Bell and kind of earn his trust by letting him just go off on his former team and this coach that he probably hates. So, yeah, Le'Veon Bell, start him. Le'Veon
1: yeah, Bell. I figure if, if you have Le'Veon Bell, you're definitely starting him for sure. It's just more of like, will he – be what the Chiefs need him to be and what fantasy start him harder <laughs> <laughs> really lean in on the starting. Who's
2: who's the dud? I I, I I'm excited for this one. I know what's coming.
1: Oh the of the week. I it. did anyway. this. I wrote this on on Wednesday and I immediately reached out to Steven. I was like, yes, who <laughs> this week is a dud. It's Josh Allen. Josh Allen has had three straight sub-20 fantasy points in his last, I think I said three, last three games. Um, it seems like he's fallen to earth a little bit. I mean, the fact that he did that against the Jets does not go well. I think it's, for him, is it's going to be somewhere in between. And against the Patriots, I just think that if you're going to face Bill Belichick, like you're not going to explode even in the 2020 version of the, of the Patriots. So I'm a little nervous about Josh Allen this week. I think there are probably some better QB starters out there.
0: You got through that stat about his three straight, Sub 20 point fantasy outputs about as smoothly as Josh Allen gets through his progressions. Boom! Hey, oh, uh, yeah, I love this pick. I'm giving it a Belichick. If I g- get any chance to hate on Josh Allen, as anyone knows who follows me on Twitter, I'm taking it. But <laughs> I'm all I'm con- confused about one thing. You said there's probably some better quarterback options out there. What about tight ends? Are there better tight end options out there than, oh, than Josh oh, Allen? Oh. <laughs>
2: We're just, getting into, we're just getting into cheap shots now. Yeah, oh, no,
0: no, actually, I, I actually don't know how how good this pick is. To be honest, I, it's going to come down to how the Patriots decide to play against the Bills. Are they going to play a lot of zone defense? Or are they going to man up a lot? And if they man up a lot, I'd be concerned that Josh Allen might get outside the pocket and put up some scrambling stats. He might even run for a touchdown if that's the case. I think he's going to have a decent fantasy output. the The Patriots defense isn't what it used to be. So not a Belichick then? No, I, I was I was just teasing Josh <laughs> Allen fans out there. I'm going to give it a Brian Flores, just a, a lesser version of Belichick. <laughs> that's a, Who's that's your, not that bad. No, it's not. Brian
2: uh, Flores is uh, very good. good. Yeah. Who's your sleeper,
1: Charles? I'm going to go with Miles Gaskin, who isn't necessarily a sleeper anymore by in, in terms of full season fantasy. But I think this week there are some people who might think, well, they're facing the Rams. The Rams' defense is really good. <laughs> Tua Tagovailoa is going to be making his first start. So my theory here is that the Dolphins will be down a lot and they will be throwing a lot with with Tua. And then Miles Gaskin will be catching a lot of passes out of the backfield uh, in garbage time. So those always count for fantasy points. I think Gaskin has really become the the bell cow back in, in Miami. And I think if you're downgrading him because of the matchup, I don't, necessarily see that i think this could be one of those like six catch days for you know 50 yards and and uh you know who knows maybe gets in the end zone
0: yeah i agree with you and i think them turning to two is kind of a good sign for gaskin going forward maybe it shows that they're going with more of a youth movement and they're going to lean on the younger running back a little bit more and i'd also agree that i don't think this is the worst matchup for the dolphins offense especially for Gaskin, who's going to be going up against some linebackers who aren't really great in pass coverage. And I would not be surprised if the the Dolphins have some success running the ball early on. I think they're going to use Tua in ways that that help to boost the run game. And the Rams play a lot of too high coverages, so they're not going to be loading the box. It's really just going to come down to their offensive line winning their matchups. And I think they have a chance to, to do that and give Gaskin some space to run.
1: I like it And I'm also Like I said last week I'm, I'm also speaking this to, Into existence Which I did with Chris Godwin Then he promptly got hurt again So You know I, I have out. How on dare him. you I'm Trying to speak it here You know The Curtis curse Thank <laughs> God Ugh. Man Ugh.
2: Charles Thanks for joining us man We always appreciate you Making the time and, and hearing from you
1: And we'll talk to you again Next week Looking forward to it as always The Counter Alright, thanks to
2: Charles, as always For taking some time out to share his wisdom And engage in our, uh, our coach comparisons Let's get into the games Week 8 As we mentioned, the primetime games Thursday night game is the Falcons-Panthers uh, Yeah uh, <laughs> I don't know Falcons-Panthers <laughs> it's, it's happening have, have fun with that, everyone uh, Eagles-Cowboys is the Sunday night game Bucks-Giants, the Monday night game So not a whole lot going there, but the 1 p.m. game, the Steelers Ravens, which I feel like we dug in a little on this one earlier during the power rankings. But Baltimore is a four point favorite Uh, coming off a bye. Probably that's probably the source of a little bit of that of that line. Um, You know, they had the week off to prepare. What's the most important factor in this game? What do you when you when you look at this game, what what things are you looking for early that you think will indicate which team is going to win?
0: Uh, how Lamar Jackson deals with the Blitz, that's also been a problem for him this year. I think he has a PFF grade around, it's in the 40s against the Blitz, and then last year it was in like the mid-80s, so that's really been another area where he's taken a major step back, and obviously the Steelers are one of the more Blitz-happy teams in the league if the Ravens have a plan and they've had two weeks to make up this plan for it and they can, they're able to protect Lamar and give them some time. I really think that the Ravens are going to be able to exploit the Steelers secondary. And I really want to see if the Ravens can run. I think that that might be it. That should have been my answer. If the Ravens can run <laughs> against the best run defense in the NFL, then I think they have a chance to put up some points. And then on the other side, just how, Ben Roethlisberger deals with his defense. It's really the first great defense he's playing this year. He's going to have to deal with a team that's playing a lot of man coverage, that's blitzing, is that's going to move him off his spot and make him throw on the move and make him throw into tight windows. And that's been our big concern with Ben. So this is an opportunity to show that he's not washed and that he's fully capable of leading the team to the Super Bowl. If he has an ugly game, I'm ready to I'm ready to just write the Steelers off for the rest of the year. Honestly if uh if wink martindale who I, I, feel, I feel like we're
2: big fans of wink martindale here who right is it? uh if if wink happens to be a counter listener which i mean he should be he could like he could come over to my house and listen live if he wanted to he's right probably lives nearby uh I feel like if he listened and and we discussed ben rossberger's game uh, his his passing chart from last week against the titans where he basically threw the ball. Uh, eight feet to his left every throw. <laughs> uh, that he wink, I I feel like he might might game plan against that and and force Ben Rossberg into doing
0: something different. Uh, so and, and Ben's average time to throw last week was two point zero five seconds. Like the next highest guy was, and I think it might have been Andy Dalton was two point four seconds. Like Ben is like playing a different position than everyone else in the NFL. Yeah. So here's my advice to Wink Martindale, who is not looking for my, my advice and shouldn't be <laughs> looking for my advice. But you don't even need to play a safety deep. Just put everyone on the line of scrimmage and dare Ben Roethlisberger to throw over the top of your head because he hasn't done it all year. Even when he's connected on deep balls, I don't know how to explain it. It just looks like he's aiming the ball, like he's just pushing the ball out there, and it's like floated throws. Like we, we're not seeing any like driven arm strength requiring throws. Really, it's just touch when he does hit on the deep ones. So I'm still questioning his arm and I hope Wink Martindale is doing the same and his game plan reflects that. He he looks
2: like a quarterback coming off a pretty drastic arm injury, (laughs) like that people made uh, emotional videos of him, you know, going through his physical therapy to come back. Uh, That's what it looks like when he throws the football. Uh, So, uh, it will be it will be an interesting game. Forty ers Seahawks. We mentioned earlier that the AFC West is uh, easily the best uh, division in football, top to bottom. I mean, all all four teams look like legitimate playoff teams. I think at at different times. The Forty Nineers, uh, you know, we we sort of when when Bosa went down for the year. And combining that with the loss to Forrest Buckner means that it totally changed. The defensive line was not the one that terrorized Patrick Mahomes for the first three quarters of last Super Bowl and really could pretty much dictate everything defensively. But the secondary has now caught up. And so I think that we feel like the 49ers are back in the conversation. And meanwhile, you already gave your succinct take on the Seahawks, which is <laughs> Russell Wilson's good. The rest is Is not so much, Uh, but what are we looking to learn from this game Uh, where, you know, we know that both these teams are pretty good and could be in it. um, But
0: what, what exactly are we hoping to see here? I believe this is Seattle's first division game of the season. So that's important there. We haven't really seen them go up against their competition for this playoff spot. That is really up for grabs with all these great teams in the division. And, I mean, the, the concern is the defense, Seattle's defense, obviously, because you know Russell Wilson is going to be good. It doesn't really matter what he has around him. He's going to be a a good quarterback. They're going to have a good offense. But the defense has been kind of odd. They brought in Jamal Adams because I I believe they thought they were going to be a team that was going to have to rely on the blitz, and Jamal Adams is one of the better blitzing defensive backs in in the league I don't know if that's worth multiple first round picks but they apparently did and he's been hurt and they still kind of have been blitzing and haven't really been adjusting their their scheme and I guess they're just hoping he comes back and that that will fix everything but I wanted to read this quote from Kyle Shanahan from his appearance on Chris Sims's podcast and it kind of explains why Seattle's defense is struggling Hmm. And he, this is him explaining why he chose the Seattle style scheme when he became a head coach. Why he hired Robert Sala, who's from that coaching tree. Right. Okay. So this is Kyle Shanahan. This is not me speaking. <laughs> I, if I could do a Kyle Shanahan impression, I would do it to enhance the experience. But I, that, I don't have that in my bag. Uh, all right. So Kyle says the bottom line is. What's the foundation of your scheme? Is it sound? Is it good? And the foundation of Seattle's scheme is as good as anything. It's a very sound coverage built with three deep, four under. Then their coverage was so sound with their pass rush that, yeah, you can get completions, but you couldn't get big plays. And the only way to get the big plays, their defense knew what it was because there were only a few ways to attack it. Now, me personally, that's the defense I wanted because I know if you have talented players, there's no way to really trick it. It's too sound. You have, you have to earn everything. You can make the quarterback go 10 for 10. A good one will, and eventually you'll have to do something unsound, like send a blitz. But if it isn't a great quarterback, there's no holes for the coaches to attack. Hmm. There are some holes if you start drawing up some seven-step drops with three hitches, and that's why it's so important to have the pass rush we've gotten and the pass rush that Seattle has had. When you don't have those pass rushes, you have to, you need to be a little less sound, and that's what's happening with Seattle. They don't have the pass rush, and now... As a result, they can't play that sound defense on the back end. They have to play this unsound defense where they're blitzing, they're leaving holes in the secondary, and offenses are having no problems attacking those those holes in the secondary. And I think that's why the defense has taken such a step back, and I think that's why they traded for Carlos Dunlap. They're hoping that with Dunlap on the defensive line, they could play with just four standard pass rushers, and they could play those sound defenses on the back end. And if they can't, you're going to see Kyle Shanahan just do whatever he wants on Sunday night or on Sunday against this defense,
2: right? I mean, it's it's funny to think that's what that's what popped in my head as you were reading that quote is like Shanahan was thinking about like what defense is the hardest to trick. I want to have that defense, but that just means that he has thought about how to trick a a Seattle defense and especially one that, like you said, is is now unsound because it has to do things that are. A little bit outside of the comfort zone. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to,
0: uh, he'll have fun. He's going to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, you'll, have, you'll have fun breaking it down. I have, I think I picked Seattle in our picks post, our picks against the spread, but right. I really think the 49ers have a, a good chance at winning this game. And I would not be surprised if they win it because of everything I just laid out. And because Shanahan man i started watching the the 49ers patriots tape and he is just a step ahead of everyone and when you don't have a lot of talent on your defense it just makes it so much easier for him
2: yeah seahawks are a 3 point favorite in that one uh another uh division that was by the way that was the uh this the seahawks did play a divisional game last week to against the oh patriots. yeah right
0: right right but,
2: but it, it was they
0: have yet to that, get away
2: that with. was their first one right uh, another division game that is interesting, the Bills are 5-2, and two. Patriots are 2-4. and four. Sure feels like the quintessential must-win game for the Patriots. Uh, much has been made of, of their struggles, and we've looked at Cam Newton's issues. You did a piece this week breaking down. There was this discovery from the, the reporters covering the paths that he was not throwing to his right. You looked at it decided it was mostly just an anomaly just sort of how things worked out but uh there's no denying that camp newton is nowhere near his best right now and that he's throwing off the entire patriots offense the defense has been hit pretty hard by it wasn't it wasn't immediately uh evident but the opt-outs now at this point when you get deeper into the season you really need that depth and that you know they lost a, guy, a lot of guys who'd been in the defense for a long time and really understood how to play it. You can tell that Belichick is not quite as able to adjust things on the fly as much as he would like. He just doesn't have that base of knowledge of guys who just are going to be where they're supposed to be, and that's really showing through with the Patriots. So, what what do you look for in this game? Buffalo is a three point, three and a half point favorite. Um, so, what are you hoping to see here?
0: Uh, I I really think this is a big game. It's obviously a must win game for New England. Like that goes without saying. If they lose this and they fall further behind in in the AFC East, and the, then they're a game, they lose the tiebreaker to the Bills. It's just I think it's just over for them. But I think this is a huge game for Josh Allen because he struggled the last couple of weeks and what defenses are doing now are disguising coverages and kind of rotating pre-snap and post-snap and making giving him different looks and and hoping it confuses him. Now, he hasn't had John Brown for some of these games and that has helped that has hurt him. Mm-hmm. But you're going up against the king of disguising coverages and and you know, tricking the quarterback and Bill Belichick. So, I think this is really a good test for him to see if he can evolve, if he can adjust to the adjustments that defenses are making. If he can't, then I really think that the ceiling on this team is lower than even we expect it. But if he can, then I think I'd be willing to reconsider them. me saying they're not Super Bowl contenders. If he can show that he can improve even more than he, he appeared to approve early in the season, then this offense really has a chance to be one of the better ones in the league. And really that's all you need to make a run in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. So I kind of want to get that message to Josh Allen. Like I want to, I want to like make the challenge directly to him. Like you can prove to Steven if you just do, I don't think take these three steps. I don't think
0: Josh Allen knows I exist. (laughs) I'm sure he does not. He does not know I exist. So, this is not this is falling on deaf ears i I really i'm i'm concerned about the defense and i think it's a big test for the defense too because if you can't stop this patriots defense our offense then i don't know who you can stop especially if cam newton is playing the way he has been playing which i'm expecting him to look better he came out in the second half last week and threw a couple strong uh, throws downfield then eventually a miscommunication with Edelman led to a pick and that's when he got benched but i'm i'm just hoping he just stops overthinking things like it he looks like a guy who's thinking too much like he doesn't he's not anticipating with his throws he's he seems to be thinking about his mechanics when he's, he's skipping these passes that are easily, that should be easy completions. And I really think that's the biggest issue. I don't, I don't think that his body is broken. Right. He, he looks so uncomfortable playing the yeah. quarterback position right now.
2: I mean, he just, just as far as like uh, intuitively knowing where to go with the ball and then being okay with going there. I mean, yeah. It's just it's, uh, Uh, I mean, we know that there's a deficiency in the wide receiver core that it's not very good. And so we're probably adding intent when we watch and say "and he's holding on for a second, not throwing it to Damien Bird or whoever, you know, whoever's open uh, or a little bit open. He's just not doing it. I mean, it just looks like he does not have much faith.
0: But that's nothing. That's nothing new for Cam Newton. He's been throwing to Demir Bird since Carolina. He was actually teammates with Demir Bird in <laughs> Carolina. So that's this true. is this not new. He went to a Super Bowl with Jericho Cottry, Ted Ginn, and Philly Brown as his top three receivers. Like <laughs> it's, that's not the issue. It really seems to me to be that he's uncomfortable, and it makes sense that he's uncomfortable. He's in a new system. He had no preseason. He didn't have a full training camp He's apparently learning new mechanics that help him with the timing of this offense he's had his practice time disrupted by the covid thing and he didn't play football for most of last year like yeah this is all to be expected i'm not i'm not totally surprised that he looks like this and i think that's the most obvious explanation for his troubles it's not that he can't do he can't physically throw right it's just He's he's just not ready to play football right now. Maybe that will come with time. It has to come in a hurry if the Patriots are going to make a run. Maybe it happens this weekend. He is going up against a defense that has struggled,
2: right? And any any you know he had a little bit of momentum ooh, and then was out with COVID, so it it feels like he's just not really been able to build on it since then. Uh, Bears Saints is another interesting game. It's a four twenty five game. You have the bear. The Bears are five and two. Uh, Saints are four and two. You've got the Bears 17th in your power ranking. So right over that midline. Uh, but they are uh, ranked above uh, the, the the Lions, which would probably surprise some people. So you're not showing a whole a lot of faith in the Bears. Um, but you wanted to talk about this game anyway. <laughs> Is there anything that the Bears could do? That would prove to you that they are a legitimate team this year? I mean, we know that the quarterbacks are uh, you know, with Foles and Trubisky, there was the controversy last week of Foles saying that the plays, uh, he knew they weren't going to work, and you, you trace that to whether or not he was criticizing Matt Nagy, or was he just saying our offensive line hasn't been good enough? It might be a little bit of both. I'm not sure it really matters in the end. Like, the point is that the offense is not actually very good uh, but is there anything that they could do that w- would change that perception
0: i think the defense has to be even better than it has been which is a tall ass i think they're sixth in defensive dvoa they need to be number 1 they need to be what they were in 2018 uh and nick falls needs to like get hot we've seen him get hot before so it's not out of the question but he he's not there yet I really want to see what the Saints' offense looks like against this. It's a very good Bears defense, and it might put some pressure on Drew Brees, but I do think it's a bad matchup for them just because they, they're they so reliant on that pass rush getting home, and Drew Brees is a smart quarterback who gets rid of the ball quickly. So that's why I think this game will be telling for the Bears because if their secondary is capable of making Brees hold on to the ball, and giving time for that defensive line to get home, then I think this is a defense that's capable of going on a run where they can carry a bad offense to the playoffs. And if Nick Foles gets hot and he's makes a bad offense, at least an average offense, then maybe they have a chance to actually make some noise in the playoffs. Wow. There it is. A little bit, a little bit of hope.
2: There you go, Chicago. (laughs) Take that into the long, cold winter with you. Uh, Let's run through the rest of the games very, very quickly. Uh, not, not a whole lot of super interesting games this weekend. Um, but let me look at these one PM games. Patriots. Bill is the one that's a good one. Titans. Bengals. Uh, Tennessee is a five and a half point favorite, looking to come off that Steelers win. Any reason to doubt them
0: here? Yeah, their defense. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I would pick the. I would feel comfortable picking the Titans. This is a A defense in Cincinnati that has gone up against similar offensive attacks. They've gone up against the Browns twice, who do a similar thing where they lean on the run game, a lot of play action, and they have not been able. They were not able to make Baker Mayfield play quarterback on in third and long. I don't think they're going to make Ryan Tannehill do that. Ryan Tannehill is a better player than Baker Mayfield, and I think this offense is just better overall. All right, Raiders, Browns, Cleveland is a two and a half point favorite here. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Again, this is, I don't think the Raiders have a defense that's capable of making Baker May, Mayfield play quarterback. And that's kind of been the deciding factor for all of their games. If he can just do those play action passes and hand the ball off on early downs without worrying about getting behind the chains, he's been fine. The offense has been fine. So, I think the Raiders are going to put up points against this Browns defense, but I would not be surprised if the Browns not only win, but win by a comfortable margin. Wow. The Raiders Baker Mayfield might, have- might have a good game. The Raiders stopped Patrick Mahomes, though. That was based on penalties. <laughs> the Chiefs still put up 32 points. So <laughs> That's true. That's true.
2: Uh, Colts-Lions. Uh, Colts are a three-point favorite in this one. This is an interesting game.
0: Yeah, the Colts are coming off a bye, and I'm hoping they use that bye to do a self-scout, which is what NFL teams usually do. And they see that they need to stop running so much on early downs. Yes. like That's not the formula. Let uh, Phillip Rivers throw on early downs. Let him avoid third and long when that's when he gets into trouble. That's when he gets under pressure. That's when he throws those passes into tight windows that sometimes get picked off because he doesn't have the arm strength to fit it in in there anymore. Let him throw on early downs. And I think the same goes for the Lions. Let Matthew Stafford throw on early downs. But I really want to see if this Lions defense is... It hasn't been good, but it's been okay. It's been good enough. And I think this is a good test. Going up against a quarterback like Phillip Rivers, he's going to test your secondary.
2: Uh, Vikings, Packers, uh, Green Bay as a six and a half point favorite, uh, you know, Packers five and one Vikings, one and five Vikings. Uh, there's some rumors that they're going to be active in the trade market. It looks like they are sort of regrouping with an eye toward next year already.
0: Yeah. And that's a smart move for them. They have a terrible cap situation. I think next year is going to be a really tough year for them. It's going to be just a, a lost year. And, yeah, the Yannick Ngakwe trade implies that they're waving the white flag on the season, so it seems like it should be an easy one for the Packers. They, Aaron Rodgers tore this defense up in Week 1, and I don't see why that will change
2: uh Chiefs jets oh, oh my
0: God chiefs. do we have to talk about this
2: the, the chiefs are a 19 and a half point favorite which actually is not even anywhere close to the uh biggest spread in NFL history which was like somewhere around 28 uh what was that? back in like 2013 or it was it was Denver yeah I think it
0: in was Jacksonville in- I remember that game yeah, I think Jacksonville Denver covered
2: 2013. uh they did I think right
0: yeah I'm pretty sure they did.
2: That was a long time ago, man. 2020 feels. The
0: Jaguars like still have the same GM. Let that sink.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what, what about this one? Tell me, will the Will the Chiefs cover this 19 and a half?
0: Uh, <laughs> I think so. I Yeah. Yeah, they will. Of course they will. It's the Chiefs and it's the Jets. It's the best team against the worst team. Oh, man. Poor Jets. Rams, Dolphins. Rams are a three and a half point favorite. Uh, yeah i don't know what to do with this line like i would not touch it every anything we've learned about the dolphins offense so far just goes out the window they have a a different quarterback i'm assuming the offense is going to look a little bit different it should in theory when you're changing quarterbacks and there's such a difference between the two quarterbacks and the dolphins strength is their pass defense and i don't think that's the strength you want against this Rams team you really need to win those early downs in order to to get Jared off into third and long. And I don't think they're going to be able to, to do that. I think the Rams win this one. My only concern is their West Coast team going to the East Coast, and they've had a shorter week. They played on Monday night, so it might be a little rough for them.
2: Uh, okay, that's all the 1 o'clock games. The other 4 o'clock games that we haven't talked – the one we haven't talked about is the Chargers-Broncos. And the Chargers are a three-point favorite with Justin Herbert leading the way. Herbert versus Lock here, a couple of young gunslingers.
0: This is going to be a good game for evaluating Justin Herbert and what mm-hmm. he can be, because because you're going up against a Vic Fangio defense, and like I, I watch Broncos defensive tape and Vic Fangio's defenses, and I I barely know what coverages he's calling, so <laughs> I can't imagine how hard it is when you have when you're in the pocket and seeing right. it not, from that point of view, all twenty two view, yeah. Right. So, I think this is a really tough it's going to be a tough game for Herbert. But I want to see if he can still make those big plays which he's been making all season long then I'm I'll, I'll fall more in love with him as a prospect. I really think he's really surprised me. I'm t- already taking my L on my draft evaluation. I was wrong about him.
2: Wow, there it is. There it is. I'm
0: not taking an L on Drew Lock though, who has been one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league and the offense has looked no different. No matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Drew Locke or the other Drew Locks that have played,
2: (laughs) you're a gracious loser. I'll give you that. You're reluctant. You're reluctant to admit it sometimes, but once you do, you're pretty gracious about it. Uh, Sunday night, Cowboys Eagles barn burner two five (laughs) two four and one battle of the NFC East. The line is Philadelphia. Uh, they're a nine point favorite. I have no faith that the Eagles will even score nine points, but uh, I don't know. This is where we are. Um, it's unclear if Andy Dalton will come back. It is clear, however, that Andy Dalton should not come back. <laughs> Rain was slammed into the turf and then hit his skull. Just let him – How is that
0: even a question? He this-
2: does not need to come back for your 2-5 and five football team. Like just no. put in DiNucci and Put in the nooch. <laughs> Run the
0: Danucci out there and let him go. Uh, so, yeah, we don't know. Well, we don't know that, but uh, – I am so- not watching this game. I refuse to – to watch it i'm protesting the nfc East's monopoly on primetime games by not watching this game and if you're a real nfl fan you should do the same
2: you know the the ratings for this are going to be through i mean probably more people will watch this game than the final game of the world series that's how <laughs> that's how crazy the nfl is uh, yeah,
0: baseball doesn't really count early. though so wow
2: well, there it is uh one little story out of cowboy nation that i do want to mention is that they uh this Cowboys released Antari Poe, and Jerry Jones pointedly, as Jerry Jones does went on the radio and claimed that it was because he was not good and out of shape uh, and then was asked if it was because Poe had the audacity to protest during the national anthem that he was kneeling um, and Jones sort of he he made a point of saying that he was he was purposely not answering that, and he said something like. Uh, you know, we have a big platform, but you have to live up to the platform. Essentially, that you have to play well enough uh, to be able to use your platform, then to uh, protest. Uh, so, his claim was that he was not playing well enough. Dantari Poe played 253 snaps this season, more than any other interior defensive lineman for the Cowboys. So, while he may not have been very good, he was the best that the coaches thought they had. So, <laughs> Uh so I I mean I
0: and the Cowboys I, are in no position to be getting rid of defensive players especially right. interior defensive linemen which I think is like the the focal point of their issues on defense.
2: Right. Uh, yeah, I, I just I don't there's there's absolutely zero reason to let Jerry Jones slide on this one uh the I, I if he said like oh we we really told him to get his weight down and he didn't do it and that made us really mad so we but like pretending like he's not playing well when he's played the most snaps uh of that position on your defense like that's just there's no there's no reconciling that can there's no no making sense of that uh the monday night game as we said we'll talk about that on monday on our next show the recap show we'll take a look at the Bucks-Giants game, another another NFC East team. But that's that's a 12-point line right now. So uh, we'll dig in on that. But uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll have lots to say about whatever we learn from the Steelers-Ravens game and the, the Seahawks-49ers. Looking forward to this weekend. It's nice when you can really focus in on a couple games and really think about... What, what you're learning from those and we're at that point of the season where it's starting to make a little bit more sense and you you know where to look and you know what questions to ask and what questions need to be answered to really understand the league and where it's headed. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's all we got I mean, it was a lot but uh, how do you want to close this?
0: I want to close this by bringing attention to a development that I, I don't think has gotten a lot of attention and that's that Jeff Driscoll has a higher PFF grade than Drew Locke this season. I just want folks to keep that in the back of their mind.
2: Do you think that maybe PFF? I mean, I, I know that like your your buddies with a lot of PFF people. You you banter on the Twitter, you know, you and PFF Moo getting at it <laughs> a little bit. Talking, maybe your bit confuse them, and they when they're grading, they're forgetting if they're actually looking at Drew Locke or Jeff Driscoll.
0: That's entirely possible, but I am offended that you're calling me friendly with PFF. Make no mistake about it. PFF is the enemy. A yeah. film Twitter.
2: <laughs> there it is. I don't know I, the play
0: calls, which I don't know. I is don't honestly know what, a bad a criticism. I don't actually
2: know what side you're on. And that's probably like a whole show to itself in the offseason. Cause I don't sure. like, are you a nerd? Are you a film grinder? Are you a writer? I don't like, you have to, you eventually have to align yourself or else you're just going to be out in the wilderness. Without it,
0: no, I I make it clear. I'm too dumb to understand how to, how to do the stats. And I don't know enough about football to be a, a true film grinder. I'm right in the middle, baby.
2: <laughs> All right. This has been The Counter. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back Monday. Can't wait to talk to you then. Take care.
1: The Counter, an NFL podcast from USA Today Sports, featuring for the winds Steven Ruiz and Chris Corman.